I hope all you're well. Happy New Year. It's about time. We hadn't been in church all year. So, <laughs> uh, welcome. We're kind of scattered a little bit this morning getting started. We've got um, several, several families that are affected by COVID. Some you know about, some you may not. Um, so, because the Whittemores are in a vulnerable health condition I called them yesterday and and pretty much asked them not to be here I certainly don't want them to uh, to risk getting sick but Bryson and his family uh, have it Catherine as you know uh, has it and we need to pray I told her we would she asked for special prayer for her grandfather Mr. Tom he's in his early 90s and they really don't think he's going to make it Uh, hospice has been called in and they are trying to keep him comfortable so Catherine loves her granddaddy. She really does. And we need to pray for him. I think her uncle and her parents are doing, are doing pretty well. Terry and Marcia, pray for them. Warren Nash, uh, Miss Lloyd, Sharon Lloyd, Teresa Yates. Their family has been expected. Her sister died, Donna Timms. 60 years old. I talked to Teresa this morning and they were like best friends. So let's remember Teresa's family and the passing of her sister. Um, Wednesday, not to go from something so serious to something much lighter, uh, we hope to take down the, I hate to do it, <laughs> we need to take down the Christmas decor Wednesday morning. Why don't we meet here about 9 if you can and we'll, uh, we'll break everything down. Okay, any other requests, announcements? Oh, wow. Tell, tell me her name, Vaughn. Okay, okay. God knows and, and, and Katrina knows. Thank you. Um, so there will be no services tonight. The youth will not meet. The adults will not meet. Um, trying to think of other things we need to we need to know or do. Sunday school is going to happen. The adults are going to go to the fellowship hall, and Giles is going to lead the students in the old sanctuary. I think that's everything. Let's stand for prayer. Thankful for Jerry, and I guess Miss Becky's going to play. Yeah. I wasn't going to ask someone to come in and, and be with us, as, as awful as we are, <laughs> but uh, Miss Becky showed up anyway, so we love you, Miss Becky, and, and grateful, um, thankful for Jerry. Miss Yvonne, would you lead us in prayer, and pray especially for the need that you mentioned.
good to see you here this morning. As Neil said, I'm pinch hitting again today. Uh, and uh, we've recruited Becky. She's agreed to play for us. We're going to start with number three. Number three. And we'll sing all four verses of that, Miss Becky. Uh, so, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Right? I'm glad to be anywhere, quite frankly. Uh, I'm of that age now where it's, it's good to be here. Of course, it'd be really good to be there, wouldn't it? Amen. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, we're going to start singing this morning, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. to sing, uh, it's number 560 in your book, Miss Becky, uh, more about Jesus.
More about Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. More about Jesus let me learn. More of his holy will discern. Spirit of God my teacher be. Showing the things of Christ to me. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of this saving fullness seen. More of his love who died for me. More about Jesus on his throne. Riches in glory all his own. More of his kingdom sure increase. More of his coming prince of peace. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you so much. Hey, what, Miss Vicky? Thank you. Jer Jerry and I were planning on doing an a, a cappella, but she was much better on the fly. <laughs> I mean, literally calling out the numbers. So, uh, thank you, Miss Becky, for being here and we being willing to play. Uh, more about Jesus. I love that hymn. And one of the thoughts that I've had entering into the new year is that verse in John chapter 3, verse 30. Uh, he must increase, I must decrease. More of him, less of me. And I, and I pray for myself and for all of us that that would be our mentality heading into a new year. That, that he would increase and, uh, and we would decrease. So we're going to still be in Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 2 is a long and rich chapter, and I, I couldn't leave it. Um, and I've thought about what to do as far as a preaching series, and it looks like for at least the foreseeable future, uh, we're going to be in the gospel of Luke for a while. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Luke does such a great job. <laughs> Luke does a great job. That's a, that's. That sounds weird saying. That's an understatement. As if, you know, as if all Scripture is not uh, God-breathed and, and crucial. Luke chapter 2, let's pick up with verse 34, where um, immediately after Simeon sang a song, when he held Christ, the child, in his arms, not only did he sing a song, but he, he made a prophecy. He tells the future. So find Luke chapter 2, verse 34, and we're continuing, I guess, to open the gift of God's Son and think about the implications and how we need 
to respond. This is, this is such a good, a good portion of Scripture, and I pray that we will uh, open our hearts and minds and mouths to, to, do it, to do it justice. So, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 34. Luke says that Simeon blessed them, and then he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul. Now there's the first hint in the Gospel of Luke of the death of Jesus. I find that interesting because already knowing how the story unfolds, we don't, we don't often read this as if we're reading it for the first time. So if we were reading this for the first time, we would say, oh, wow, something bad's going to happen. And it's going to hurt. It's going to pierce his mother's soul. So I, just, I wanted to point that out as, as we went. Um, then he says this, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So... What Simeon says about the future of Jesus is very, very important, isn't it? And we'll talk about that in a bit. There was a prophetess named Anna. She was the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was old. It says she was advanced in years, having lived with a husband seven years after her marriage. Then as a widow to the age of 84. So we specifically know... She's 84 years old. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and she began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. And the child, capital C... The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And his parents used to go to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he became twelve, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And his parents were unaware of it. But they supposed him to be in the caravan. And so they went a day's journey and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. Has anyone seen Jesus? <laughs> you know, I know, the, I know the feeling as a parent at times that, you know, your heart drops. Where are, you know, where are they? And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. It came about that after three days, they found him in, of all places, the temple. Remember me saying last week that in Luke's gospel, the temple just continues to come up. It, it is extremely significant. So there he is in the temple, and he's sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. He's 12 years old. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding. And his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, 
son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. Now, do you sense a little bit of frustration? Maybe even a tad bit of shaming. <laughs> Where you been? <laughs> We've been looking. Why would you do this to us? You know, Mary's playing the victim here, isn't she? Why would you do this to us? Okay, verse 49. Here's another interesting tidbit as we go through. These are the first recorded words of Jesus. And then when I thought to myself, wow, you know, obviously he's been talking. He's already 12 years old. I'm not saying these are the first words of Jesus, but they are the first recorded words of Jesus. And listen to what he says. Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Your father and I. Oh, but then he says, my father. Right, he's taking this to another level. Verse 49, actually, to, to interpret it, uh, my father's house, it probably more significantly means about my father's business. I'm in the affairs of my father. Yes, I'm in the temple, but I'm really doing his work. I'm, I'm about his business. In verse 15... <laughs> Here, here, here we are as parents. They did, they did, what are they talking about? You know, they did not understand the statement which he made to them. But let's not get the idea that he was a rebellious 12-year-old because he was not. And verse 51 clarifies his attitude and his motive. He went down with them. He came to Nazareth. He continued in subjection to them. Notice his humility, his submission, his obedience. Isn't that ironic? He's the Lord of the universe, and he's subjecting himself to his parents. And his mother treasured, Mary treasured all these things in her heart. She, she kept them. She was storing up. That's twice he's told us about Mary and what she thought in her heart. I have a hunch that she's probably the source of a lot that we have in Luke's gospel. Then verse 52, this sounds like a repetitive thought as well. Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Father, thank you that in this chapter we see the growth and development of Christ into the role for which you sent him. We see his Understanding and awareness, even at 12 years old, and, and it truly is amazing, and it truly points to the fact that, uh, may we not miss the, the real point here, is that Jesus is the Son of God. He's, he is the Messiah. He is the Savior. Uh, there's so much to learn here, Father, and I pray that you would help us not only to see and understand it, but to, to be able to put it into practice, Lord, the way you would have us to. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so this morning as we talk about the gift that is Jesus, I want to make three basic points. And the first one is that God demands a response to the gift of His Son. God demands a response. There, there's no neutral ground with a gift this, this good. Uh, the second thing is that I want us to notice the growth of Jesus. 
that if Jesus is the perfect God-man, then we see in Jesus, I guess what we could call ideal human growth. Luke points that out twice. I think we're to notice how Jesus grew and developed. And we're to learn something from that. And then the third thing I want us to see is that Jesus was clear about his mission. God is displaying the mission for which he sent Christ. So responding and growing and the mission. Okay, all are, all are seen in this passage. So let's, let's go back. God demands a response to the gift of his son. He demands a response. People are responding to Christ in their unresponsiveness. Well, they realize it or not. So Simeon is preaching about Jesus, the things that will happen. And it's amazing to hear. His parents were amazed. Uh, notice that in the temple, the, the religious leaders, they, they too were amazed. So on the human level, a lot of this at times goes over our heads. But when we have the full context and story, we know that, hey, set to come in this story are a lot of different responses to Jesus. Some people are going to fall. Some people are going to stumble over Jesus. Forget what he says. This child is appointed for the fall of many in Israel. Can you think of some of the people who fell or stumbled over Jesus? Yeah, the scribes and the Pharisees, the proud religious leaders, those who thought they were sinless and self-sufficient, they stumbled over, over Christ, never to recover. But not only will some fall, some will rise, right? Christ will be a rock, a foundation upon which the broken and the humble and the sinful will stand and and they will rise. So I'm trying to express what I think are the implications of what Simeon is saying in verse 34. Hey, this child is significant. People will respond. He will have an effect. Some people will be brought down and some people will be raised up. And then he says, there's going to be opposition. But I want, I want to also notice for us that it's possible that with the phrase, some will fall and rise, that there is one category of people who will fall and rise. And what I mean by that is think of the thief on the cross. He was broken and humble. But then through faith in Christ, he was promised, today you will be with me in paradise. Think of Saul, who stumbled over Christ and fell, but in his falling, Christ revealed himself to him on the road to Damascus, and Paul rose again, right? So, you know, we need to think about the fact that the effect of Jesus on life and individuals will be that some will fall and never recover, some will fall and will be brought to repentance and faith, and some who are broken, they will rise by standing in faith on Christ. The point, I think, is that there's no neutral ground with Christ. And Luke's gospel will show how people respond. Well, then we need to ask, how have I responded to Jesus? How have I responded to the gift of his son? He will be a sign to be opposed. There, there will be in this story 
much opposition to the child. Not everyone is excited about the birth of Jesus. And throughout his life, he will face such hostility and contradiction of sinners that it will be said of Christ that no one has suffered as much as he will suffer. And then there's the part about a sword piercing Mary's own heart. Mary, you're not going to be exempt from emotional response to him either. And then there's more. The end will be that the secret thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Around Jesus will be this issue of who are we, what is our character, and what is our destiny. Simeon's saying our hearts will be exposed by how we respond to Jesus. So do you see that this gift is crucial and how we respond is crucial? And, and from the very beginning, it's, it's, it's told that some will be brought down, some will be raised up, some will oppose, and hearts will be revealed by how people respond to Jesus. There's no neutral ground. The same sun that melts wax will harden clay. The difference will be, be, will be in the faithful or unfaithful response of people. You're either sheep or goats, wheat or tares, lost or found, light or darkness, building on rock or building on sand. All that comes out in the gospel. So that's, that's Simeon's response. Then there's Anna. Anna the prophetess was so devout. She was a devout seeker of God she was an aged widow, so I want us to notice her age, her maturity, and her attitude. She had an attitude of gratitude. She was thankful. She gave thanks for what God had done in Christ. I came across a quote by Bonhoeffer who said that we enter into life with Christ as thankful recipients, not as demanders. We thank God for what he's done for us. We thank God for giving us brethren who live by his call, by his forgiveness, and by his promise. We don't complain about what God does not give us. Rather, we thank God for what he gives us daily. Hasn't he given us enough? I also want to point out that I, th I think there's something that Luke is saying here about older people. <laughs> uh, Victor Hugo said this, I wanted to share with us. When, when grace is joined with wrinkles, it is adorable. There's an unspeakable dawn in a happy old age. There's something about Simeon and Anna and their nearness to death, I think, that draws out their appreciation and gratitude for Christ. After you've faced some of life's bumps and bruises and sorrows, you tend, to, you tend to think more of Christ and your need of Christ. C.S. Lewis has some dialogue in one of his stories in the Chronicles of Narnia. I think it's Prince Caspian where Lucy's growing a little bit, and she sees Aslan, the lion who represents Christ. And she says, Aslan, you're bigger. And Aslan says, that's because you are older, little one. 
And she says, not because you're bigger? He says, I'm not. But every year you grow, you'll find me bigger. Isn't that something? That every year we grow, we ought to find Christ bigger. (laughs) Not because he's changed, but because we've changed and our awareness of him has changed. Boy, after 2020, we see how much we do need Christ. Going back to to Miss Yvonne's prayer, how desperately we need miracles from Christ. Left to ourselves, we 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 can't save us from this mess. So here's the point. God has given us a great gift in His Son, and it demands a response. It demands a response. The second thing I want to say is that God also demonstrates growth through the development of His Son. Jesus is growing. Healthy organisms grow. Healthy people grow. Healthy businesses grow. Healthy organisms grow. Jesus is the ultimate healthy person. He is the Word become flesh and dwelling among us. So I noticed that Luke points out four areas of growth. Now, as we enter the new year, a lot of us say, you know, I need to do better Physically, I need to do better spiritually. I need to do better relationally and mentally. Look at the four areas. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with God. And he grew in favor with man. Luke points it out twice so that we'll get it. This means he grows mentally. He grows physically. He grows spiritually. He grows socially. Let's think about how he grew in wisdom mentally. He grew intellectually. You ever thought about the intellectual life of Jesus? He literally was the most intelligent person who's ever lived. And I think we forget that. We forget that Jesus was and is the wisest person in the universe. So for me, I need to say to myself, if I'm doing something that contradicts what he teaches and says, I'm about to do something really stupid. That's the application. (laughs) The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise knowledge and instruction. His mind was consistently upon the Word. He was intimate with the Word. And he embodied all that the Word is and teaches. He is the Word. Have you ever thought about the Philippians 8 mindset? Whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is beautiful, that... You basically could say that's the mind of Christ. Go read the Sermon on the Mount. I guess would be practical takeaway. And saturate our minds with love and understanding of the Word. I think every calendar year, almost every Christian says to themselves, I need to be in the Word more this year. And we, we fall short of that. But he continued to increase in that. The other thing, he, he grew physically. Um, you know, God the Father prepared a body for him. This reminds me that all of us should remember that our bodies are temples of the Lord. Your body is a temple of the Lord. Paul said that he would buffet his body and make it his servant, his slave. Our bodies matter. They are to be presented to the Lord as a living sacrifice. He grew physically. 
I can picture him in that carpenter shop sweating and working and, and, and what he did with his body mattered. He was, he was the healthiest human who had ever lived. And there's a lot physically about us that we can't control. But we ought to be increasing in our desire to be as physically healthy as possible. He grew in favor with God. This is interesting as well, isn't it? God the Father would say about his son, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well what? I'm well pleased. Not only are we a body, but more importantly, we are a soul made for communion with God. Jesus, of course, embodied perfect fellowship and communion with God. He lived a life of worship and adoration in perfect oneness with the Father. Complete and perfect resistance to temptation. Perfect surrender and obedience to the will of God the Father. You can see this demonstrated in his prayer life. His knowledge and obedience to the law. His worship. His daily life is a living and dying sacrifice. He grew in favor with God. He grew spiritually. I know that sounds strange saying, but that's what Luke says. And he grew in favor with man. (laughs) Think about his social life. He loved others and interacted with others in a perfectly righteous and loving way. He embodies what love is and how people should be treated. From his interaction with his parents, his family, his disciples, strangers, the needy, his enemies... A bruised reed he did not break off, and a smoldering wick he did not snuff out. So he related rightly to God and others. And he grew in these aspects. It says he kept increasing. So he was intentionally and actively growing in each area. So for you and me, it demonstrates our own sinfulness and our depravity. And that I don't progress in all these areas well at the same time. I lack the power in myself to sustain growth in these areas. But we still need to ask, what is your plan for growth in the areas that have been highlighted by Luke? We never stay the same. Nothing ever stays the same. So in what ways am I growing and changing in relationship to God and others Am I trusting and depending on Christ? He's the model. He's the inspiration. He's the power for salvation and growth. We need him. We need his life in us. The ultimate plan is that we would be formed to be like Christ and Christ would be in us. Did y'all have those doors in your home? We did. When I was growing up where your, your parents may have, you know, they put a book over your head and marked the line behind. Growth chart. <laughs> I maxed out when I was, I don't know, 20, 21 years old. And, you know, we still have that chart, by the way, at my, my mom. And so my children are on there. There's people who visit through the years who are on there. We all need a little growth chart, right? How, how am I doing? Boy, let's, let's say this about Jesus, though. I thank God that my salvation is not based on how I'm growing and how I'm doing. But my salvation is based on his perfect growth. In all areas where you and I have failed. We've failed physically. We've failed mentally. We've failed spiritually. And we've failed socially. That's what it means to be a lawbreaker. But man, when Jesus got his mark, he was perfect in all four areas. 
I think that's what Luke is wanting us to see. This is God's Son. And we would love to aspire to be perfect in all those areas. But we failed in all those areas. We failed miserably, thus our need for Christ. So our response to His gift is, is crucial. It shows us growth, but, but last of all, there's, there's something important here about the mission of Christ. God is displaying here the mission, the mission that His Son was sent on was, it was central. It was, it was the priority. He came to seek and to save the lost. And so even at 12 years old, we see the, the focus and the must. What did he say to his parents? I must be about my father's business. There was a divine must here. And, and the Gospels have this when it talks about his hour had come. I must go to Jerusalem. There was this divine plan and this divine responsibility. I guess we could call it the Father's business plan that Christ submitted to and was sold out perfectly and completely to. So every year his family would go to Passover feast in Jerusalem. I heard a pastor preach one time, Jesus went to church. <laughs> When he was growing, he went to church, okay? So notice how prominent worship in the Passover was in the life of his family. And isn't it interesting that Jesus there in the temple at 12, he is going to become our Passover. The very family celebration and remembrance of Passover, he is going to become our Passover. So there's already a foreshadowing of of what he is going to do as our Passover lamb. And I may have pointed this out the last time we took communion, that he was celebrating and remembering Passover, telling them that he essentially was becoming the Passover lamb. And he goes into Jerusalem at 33 and a third years of age during Passover to become the ultimate and final Passover lamb, to finish the work, to finish the business that his father had given him. So this is his bar mitzvah. At 12 years old, a Jewish male would, would become a responsible Jewish male under the law. A son of the law, which is the actual literal meaning of bar mitzvah. So Jesus is understanding this. He's, he's, he's applying this. He's, he's coming to consciousness of this at 12 years old. But I want, I want you to follow with me here in closing something that, that I noticed as, as I studied this. Notice in verse 44, they began looking for him. Where is he? What's he doing? Then notice in verse 45, they go back to Jerusalem and they're what? They're looking for him. Where is he? What is he doing? Then in verse 48, they say it again. In frustration, your father and I have been doing what? We've been, been looking for you. Where were you? What are you doing? Now, oftentimes we've expressed that about other people, haven't we? Because we've had doubt at times of whether people were up to good or not. Where were you? What were you doing? 
But isn't it interesting that they found him, what, after three days in the temple? Now, I don't want to read too much into this. But when you get into the latter portion of Luke, in Luke chapter 24, you find people looking for Jesus. And they're wondering as he's dying, what are you doing? And they're questioning and they're frustrated and they feel like they've lost everything. And Luke is going to record this in chapter 24 The two disciples on the road to Damascus, they're sharing back and forth. And they say to each other, we were hoping that he was the one. And there were some women who went to the tomb and it says they didn't find him. We were hoping he was the one and people were looking for him and and they didn't find him. Have you ever been there where you were asking of God, where... God, where are you? What are you doing? Jesus' answer at 12 years old was so crystal clear. You don't understand it. In fact, it says, Mary and Joseph didn't understand it. What does he mean? And I'm thinking, Mary and Joseph, have y'all not been listening? (laughs) Did you not hear what the angel said? So let's not think that if we were there, you know, we, we would have been just as clueless as the rest of them. They didn't understand what he meant. But Luke knows where this is going. And I at least find it interesting and ironic that on the third day, or after three days, so to speak, they find him. Hey, he's alive and well. And not only is he alive and well, but he's doing the Father's work. Boy, Mary, a sword is going to pierce your heart. Life hurts at times. And we, like Mary and Joseph, in the process, we say, God, what are you doing? Where are you? But he tells us, keep looking. And he tells us, you'll find him. And not only will he be alive and well, but he will be doing the Father's work which is to save you, sustain you, redeem you, grow you. It may not be said of you and me that we're always about the Father's business because we're not. That is our mission. As He was sent, so too are we sent. His mission has been given to us to go and make disciples. We are also to be about the Father's business. But you can rest assured that Jesus completed the Father's business. And He did the Father's work. And He's still doing the Father's work. After three days, they found Him. We also, too, can find Him because He is alive and He is doing the Father's work. So keep looking. Keep seeking. Keep asking. Keep knocking. And, uh, and you'll, you'll find Him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you show us just in Luke 2. And I, I just could not help but see as, as someone who knows and believes the rest of the story that there's, a, there's so much that Jesus says in that one phrase about the Father's work and the Father's business. 
And I thank you that your work continues and your work continues in us and around us. So may we not give up hope. May we not abandon faith. May we continue to grow in in these areas that Jesus grew, knowing that ultimately that's your business plan for us, is that, that through the work of Christ on the cross and through the resurrection, we can and will one day have perfect bodies. Our bodies will be like His. Perfect relationship with you. Perfect wisdom. Perfect relationships with other people. That everything Jesus was growing to be, one day we will be because he completed the Father's work. Thank you for your amazing grace and our future of being like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Jerry, would you come and sing? And if you have prayer needs, you're certainly invited to this altar to pray as, as we sing.
Yes, ma'am. Kim Cohen. Kim Cohen. Okay. Try to remember that name in your prayers, Kim Coley. Well, the sun's coming out. <laughs> May you have a blessed rest of the day. Thank you for being in worship. Jerry, would you close us, please? Sermon notes, and when I read the sermon, I try to read them and study them before I come. And when I read them and studied them, this, this song that we used to sing years ago came to my mind. And I just want to sing a verse of it to you, if you don't mind. Jesus is knocking at your heart's door. Standing and knocking, he's knocked before. This is the question you face once more. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, What will he do with me? Thank you so much. Have a great day.